Welcome to episode six of the Basement Boys podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 21st. Uh, yesterday was 420 for some of you out there, but uh, boys, how are we doing tonight? And let the listeners know what you're drinking. Chase, we'll start with you. I'm doing pretty pretty good. I got a little wine drunk last night with dinner and a couple hours after dinner, but I'm back on the horse with a, a lakefront IPA down in Milwaukee. Ooh, lakefront brewery right there? Yeah. Pretty sweet place. It's on the lake if you couldn't put that together. <laughs> Junk, how we doing? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing great. Finally got on the golf course this weekend, but uh got myself a kid Kolsch. Never had one of these new Glaris. Trying oh. out tonight. I haven't seen one of those. Was it what's what's uh what type of beer is it? I honestly couldn't tell you. I haven't had a sip yet, but it's got a little goat on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how'd you uh golf? You went on Sunday, correct? Correct. Actually, played very well. You know, I thought it would be tough out there. I set my over-under at 82 and a half and actually shot uh, two over for 27 holes. So, played great. What did that score end up amounting to then? Uh, it was a 76, 76 on the first 18 and then 34 on the last nine. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Can't wait to get the sticks out and get going. Oh. There. But uh, as we move forward, episode five was a good episode. Uh, we got a poll out there. We'll be doing more of those of our draft. We'll be kind of continuing the draft series on Fridays. Uh, this Friday might be hard because we actually have the actual NFL draft, which we're all very excited for. But it was the movie draft, and I took first place in that one, as expected. About 30-some, 40 people voted. and uh, Absolutely wiped the floor with us, too. It wasn't even close. Yeah, I don't know if I, I – I must have got my family to go on there and just vote for me. Yeah, all your all your offshore accounts you were voting with. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a fun time doing that. We like doing that. We'll, we'll try to move forward with more pop culture uh, items on our social media and with uh, our podcast as well. Uh, we are also available on Apple Podcasts now and on iTunes. So if you give us a listen on there – That'd be great. Much appreciated as each kind of platform you listen from is an extra listen. And it also kind of helps us out. So we're available on there. Make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. We're also on YouTube. If you want to go on there and watch full videos, episode five was just dropped today or on Sunday as we're recording on Sunday on Sunday. And you can go on there and watch our live facial reactions and stuff like that. We'll try to be uh, continuing that progress. So Anyways, boys, our recruit, our Rakuten monkeys, Rakuten, <laughs> over in uh, Chinese Taiwan, are currently four and zero. Four and zero feels good. Chase, uh, what, what are you thinking about this uh, Rakuten monkeys team? They look like a force to be reckoned with. You know, I've seen about thirty seconds of highlights, um, but they hit some monster home runs and they throw some fast fast balls. <laughs> Shanka, are you liking this team? Yeah, they're they're in the wrong league. They're too dominant for it. They, I love them. Yeah, yeah. I saw a clip actually. I got it this or Sunday morning when I woke up. It said uh, baseball fight in Taiwan, and I was like, please have it to be the Rakuten Monkeys. Please have it be. And it was, and I was like, great. That's great for content, and that's awesome for our team. Uh, they were playing the Rohan Guardians or whoever they were playing. I don't know, but it was like the fourth inning. 1-1 one, one game, two outs, nobody on, our best hitters up, and their pitcher, whose last name is Sosa, which I don't know if it's any relation to Sammy. By the way, have you guys seen Sammy Sosa lately? 
Dwight. Yeah. Guy looks like an experiment gone wrong. He looks, <laughs> he looks kind of ugly, but fourth pitch, they threw it inside, hit him right on the butt, basically, kind of bench clearing. It wasn't really a brawl. There was kind of some pushing and shoving, but anyways, it's good to get uh, some recognition over there for the Rocky 10 Monkeys. Maybe we should get some hats and shirts and stuff and get that going as we become bigger fans of this team. We're cheering for uh, 4-0. Feels good on top of the Chinese-Taiwan uh, league and potentially the best active team in the world right now, correct? I mean, is there any yeah, other sports going on? One of the only. Um, we got the WWE going, and then I think the CPBL, and that's about it. So the they Chinese. might be the best team in the world right now, if you think about it. Is that the Chinese team? Yeah, Chinese Professional Baseball League. Oh, they're different leagues? What do you mean? Oh, never mind. That's the, that's the league that Rakuten's in, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, my bad. Yeah. But uh, as you can tell, diehard fans, as we move forward here, uh, Chase has a little tweet he kind of wants to go on. We're not doing rate to take today as we got a lot to cover with that Jordan documentary, but here's one tweet that was kind of astounding within the past week that we saw. Uh, I think it's from Joe Buck, so Chase, take it away there. Yeah, from Joe Buck, uh, we got – it'll be a little mini rate to take. Um, first, I want to follow up on our um, prior rate to take where we talked about um, Tua Tugabungholo with Chuck and – with Uncle Chuck and Thorson. Um, the Wonderlick scores are in for the quarterbacks. And Tua, lowest Wonderlick score of all quarterbacks with a, with a 13. Yeah. Damn, this is your boy. You have him going to the Dolphins at five. Uh, the rest of us – Actually, I think Uncle Chuck was there with you. But the rest of us, me and Thorson, uh, very low on Tua, just like his Wonderlick score. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson scored like an 18, too. It's not the biggest measurement in the draft process. It helps, definitely. It shows how you can adapt to a playbook and come in schemes and stuff. But also, my boy Nate Stanley scored the highest score, 40. I played him in high school hoops, uh, he went to Menominee Falls, Iowa starting quarterback for three years. So it'd be nice to see him. I see him linked to the Patriots a lot. But uh, so he scored astounding, an astounding score, 40 out of 50, 25 is the average. Uh, if you score below that, it's kind of like an IQ score. So if you score below that, you're kind of not the smartest person and you score above it. So it was nice to see uh, Nate Stanley. Don't know him personally, but played against him. Get that recognition. Rodgers, when he – Took it, scored a 35, so that was interesting. Uh, and Herbert scored a 25, which people think that he purposely got some wrong. Uh, not sure what the thought process is on that because he had like a 4.1 GPA as like a biology major. So now You don't want to be too smart, I guess. People might think you're just a weird book nerd that, or something. That's what it was, actually. It was He didn't want to be thought as this robotic bookworm because the thing about him is that he just kind of goes through the motions and really technical. He doesn't think on the fly and do crazy stuff i don't know yeah you gotta have some you gotta have some grit to you some some backstreet ball but uh nate stanley wisconsin guy right menominee falls menominee falls played there we could have had the opportunity to play him my senior year of high school when he was a junior but he like broke his foot or something nice nice you love to see it representing just menominee not menominee falls menominee just menominee there's a difference yeah menominee's up in stout menominee falls is by milwaukee really yeah or Menominee is the city that Stout is in. Why would they do that? 
head off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, moving on um, to the Joe Buck tweet. Uh, Darren Rovell. Um, there's some linkage between Joe Buck and porn these days. So Darren Rovell tweets, uh, porn site says it'll pay Joe Buck a million dollars to announce its cam shows live. Um, the site says that it is also accepting applications from other national and local sports commentators. So I guess with our shortage of sports, we're turning to different avenues. Um, Joe Buck quote tweeted it saying, depending on the site, they could just be handing some of them, they could just be handing me some of my money back. So I'll hold out for a better offer and try to hold on to my day job. But I have to say I'm flattered. So uh, Joe Buck, big, big porn guy. You guys think about that one? Uh, it just, I like Joe Buck. Joe Buck gets a bad rap around. Uh, I like him too. I like him a lot. Pretty much anywhere. I don't know why. People think that he always mentions on podcasts and stuff that he, everyone thinks that he hates their team, but he's just calling it how it is. Especially Packer fans hate him and Aikman. I can see Aikman. Aikman's definitely uh favoritism towards the Cowboys but anyways Joe Buck I think this is just a power move by him I like it I like the tweet it's got some humor behind it got a lot of uh, recognition uh he's not just that straight straight edge guy that you think he is he likes to go around the curve with his jokes and stuff like that so I like that um it's interesting to see so my case is wondering will they accept local podcasters to do porn like could we commentate porn <laughs> not, not do porn with each other, but commentate it. YouTube getting after it, and I'm just commentating. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we all know what Trump would be receiving. <laughs> That's that. No. No. Oh, man. Oh. I'm a giver. <laughs> I'm a giver. Trump, what's your uh, take on this Joe Buck tweet? I I I think it's really funny and I like the joke, but uh, there is no fucking way I could get off to listening to Joe Buck talk during porno or, or live, whatever it'd be live or why don't there they'd be live or be like recorded. Yeah. It's like a live, a, a cam, yeah, a live cam show. Yeah. Almost one of those things you see is like a, an ad in the preview or like before you go into a porno, the five second ad. So yeah. you'd be doing that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'd be kind of, kind of cool. But, I think it would be actually like pretty funny. Yeah. Would it do the job that you were there to do though? Like, would it help that? I think if I'm going into it, I know that Joe Buck's going to be there commentating. So it's either got to be a long hiatus from being on a site like that, or um, I got to be in some type of mood or I'm going there with the boys as like a funny thing. Yeah. So do you, do you watch porn with your friends? You guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely have in the past. Yeah. yeah I, so you're the weird one, Cam. No, it's it was like a high school thing. Yeah, I know. Um, but Chase, do you have a take on that? Yeah, I think I think it's pretty funny. Uh, like you said, Joe Buck gets a bad rap, especially with Packer fans. And I think it's literally like. Seems like our parents' generation always has hated Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Like I know my parents both do, and they always just rail on them. And it always seems like our friends or like kids our age just also rail on them, and they never really have a reason for it. I mean, I was kind of like that too. Like I didn't like them, and I didn't really know why. I think it's just because like my dad would always rail on them. Um, but as I've like come to listen to him more and actually like paid attention to him stuff, I I really like him. I think he's funny and a little edgy, and it's good to see. 
Yeah, he calls game what it is. He's not afraid to call out refs, which is kind of like not prohibited, but it's kind of going to broadcasting school. You're not really. It's kind of, there's kind of unwritten rule to kind of respect the refs a little more, so that people don't go on and listen to what you're saying and then go off about refs too because they're humans too. But I like Joe Buck a lot. Whenever I see a game on with Buck and Aikman, I always tune in no matter who it is. Uh, that's kind of like the same with Romo and Nance. I think commentators do provide most of the entertainment with games like these. Uh, there's a lot of Fox games you'll watch and you guys hear the guys on there and you're just like, oh. like I don't mind like Charles Davis, but he just sounds like Madden video game. Um, Gus Johnson's electric during like basketball games and stuff. I love that. And he just kind of goes crazy with all his calls, but uh, it's, it's fun to listen to certain commentators, definitely. But kind of going into the NFL, the draft is on Thursday. So we have some special draft plans. Uh, Chase, you want to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, we're going to try to do a – well, first of all, I guess we did a, we did a mock draft, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Basement Boys did a mock draft collectively, just one draft. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later, talk about our picks. Um, and then on Wednesday or Thursday for the draft, we're going to do a, an Instagram live session, see how many people we can get in there, get the chat popping. Um, and just kind of react to things. We're going to play a little game with it, so definitely tune in to kind of see what we're up to during the draft. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll have Chase mediating it. Uh, me and or Eric and I will be rotating, joining in with Chase on our own personal Instagram so that you guys, if you follow us on our own Instagrams, you can go on there and watch that. You can ask questions. Um, we might have a couple people on there. We might have a few more than that, but we're just going to have it live there just to sit there and people have – crazy responses will interact with you and stuff like that. We'll also be playing games with the draft and trying to make the most of it as it's our first sporting event, basically of this quarantine season is you can call it a sporting event, right? Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Well, it's an event. Yeah. So it's exciting. Uh, Thursday, first round Friday, I think is the second and third usually. And then is Saturday, fourth through seven. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's always fun to get into, kind of get ready for. Uh, so that leads us kind of into our next segment here with the Packers, who we think that they should take in the first round and then kind of going forward. Uh, the thing that stands out for me with the Green Bay Packers teams and their needs is depth, uh, depth everywhere. Um, there's not – we don't really have a position of weakness that stands out specifically besides like that second wide receiver to me, which is kind of a good problem to have. But since we're in that 30th pick, it's kind of hard to get that stud receiver. You kind of you kind of have a crapshoot there. So if the draft turns out like it did for our mock draft with the top four receivers going, uh, Kenneth Murray going, and Patrick Queen going right away, and basically you have five offensive tackles go, because I think our biggest needs are offense tackle, receiver, inside linebacker, and then building depth in the secondary. Uh, about three or four corners went. I think that the Packers should either take a corner at that spot, um, offense tackle depth. But the biggest thing I would want us to do is trade back, as I think that if we can load up on some more picks, I would be a huge fan if they did like what they did with the Saints a few years ago and got a first-round pick the next year. Um, that would definitely spike my interest, as that's exactly what I want to happen. Trunk, what do you think with that, this first round? <laughs> Uh, with their needs and stuff, what they are, and if who's available, kind of what you see. Yeah, I think you uh, you nailed it. Um, 
I think that's another big need I think you didn't address is we need somebody next to Kenny Clark. Yep. Um, Lancaster and Kiki aren't the, aren't the answer there. But, I, yeah, I, I like trading back there. Unless a guy like if Justin Jefferson somehow falls, I like him there. Um, if one of the stud offensive tackles falls, I think I would scoop him. Otherwise, trading back, getting extra picks. This this draft is so depth with skilled players that are so deep with skilled players that it, we can afford to trade back. Yeah, I think this is one of the better uh, drafts prospect wise. So I think you can afford to lose kind of some spots, receivers, offensive tackles, uh, inside linebacker. There's not a heat. There's kind of a cutoff there after the first couple. But I like receivers. If it's not those top four, I guess the nice next receiver I would like is I like Brandon Ayuk a lot. He's a playmaker, um, stretches the field makes a lot of plays, speed, he can return, stuff like that. That's kind of the same with Mims. He's a speed guy. I would – personally, I would stay away from Chenault because he's got that uh, injury. Is it his foot injury? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a leg. Yeah, it's a leg. Yeah, so I don't want to draft a guy coming, which Packers are notorious lately for drafting kind of those injured guys out of the first round. Um, you got T. Higgins there. There's a few others that could fit in well with Rodgers. I mean, anyone with Rodgers can be a stud, but – Preferably a speed demon that can stretch the field, kind of that Jordy Nelson. We've been missing that ever since he left. Uh, we've got Devante, and then we've got the rest of them are basically big kind of trees just kind of to be there. But, MVS. MVS uh, yeah, I saw that. He said he's top five. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but Chunk, uh, who's your – after those top four receivers, who's the next receiver that you would like to see us take, I guess? Um, I, I like T. Higgins. I think he can uh, – you, you're not counting him in the top four, right? Right. Yeah. I think T. Higgins is the guy. You know, Clemson just breeds NFL players. Um, he, I mean, he had a good career there. I think he's a little smaller, so I think we got just got to bulk him up a little bit. I think he can be a stud. Yeah, the top four being, sorry, I didn't clarify this, is Judy, Lamb, uh, Ruggs, and Jefferson. I think those three in the, are in a class of their own. And then uh, Jefferson's in that kind of next tier, and the rest of these guys can fit in that third tier of guys. Uh, so I would love Jefferson, but I think he goes to Eagles. We kind of talked about that in our mock draft. Uh, Chase had that 30th pick for us in our Basement Boys mock draft. We each took turns drafting. Uh, for different teams, and he was kind of stuck and went offensive tackle depth, which I thought was a good choice. Is Isaiah Wilson from Georgia? Uh, he's on the opposite side of Andrew Thomas. So there's there's some corners available there. Uh, we can get that third guy. As we have not re-signed Tremont Williams, um, but I don't know. Corners a need for us, but I think working on the offensive side would help a lot, as it kind of showed last year with time and stuff. Chase, what was the hardest part, I guess, about picking 30 there? You were kind of in the mind of Ryan Gutegunz. <laughs> like you said, uh, I was kind of stuck, and while we were doing it, we were talking through it. And What we were all kind of stuck on is if we get to that spot, which it kind of worked out in the way we were drafting, um, the position we were in is we didn't see any of those guys fall fall down to us that we wanted. So I think – had we been doing trades, we trade back in the position that we're in, which very well could happen um, in the real draft on Thursday. Um, but overall, I think I was between um, – we had Wilson, the offensive tackle that we ended up taking. Um, then we had Jalen Johnson on there, too, the cornerback from Utah. We were thinking a little bit about 
Um, and then we talked about Jalen Rager. Uh, Mims was off the board, who we really wanted to see um, to the Vikings. Um, but we ended up just going with a trench guy and someone to someone to take over for Brian Belaga in the future. Yeah, as who knows what Wagner will be because he was kind of hurt last year. I think trench is what, is what killed us against the Niners. So as Chunk kind of said, a guy next to Kenny, just a world beater would be nice to have because as you saw with the Niners, that, that style of play is still in. Uh, they were basically kicking the Chiefs' ass with that for first half until some conservative play calls and some lack of defense there at the end kind of ruined it for them. So that's still very much part of this of today's football is the trenches, obviously, as the Niners kind of have a good formula for it with running the ball and uh, that defensive line at the front seven that's stacked. But I'm moving forward in the uh, next few rounds, second, third round. If we don't get it, we don't get it. It's on the same receiver. I think we should go. We should go. Uh, I think a lot of those receivers that we mentioned, I think Michael Pittman could be there. He's a stud, but he's not. I guess he is kind of fast for his size. He's 6'2", 6'3". We ran a 4'5", 4'40". His dad played running back for the Buccaneers, if you remember him, Michael Pittman Sr., as he played about seven years there before Warwick Dunn did. And so that's a – sorry. So Michael Pittman definitely could be there for us. A guy I would like to see, a versatile guy, is he went to the same school as Randall Cobb, and he reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb, is Lynn Bowden Jr. He played just about every position for them, running back, receiver, quarterback. Basically, he'd be a slot guy, receiver, kind of a running back, kind of that Dexter McCluster fit where you can run the ball and pass catch, I guess. Uh, Chunk, is there any guys that you remember off the top of your head that you could see falling second round, third round, or – what needs you think in that first few rounds there, the second and third? Um, not a lot of names that come to my mind that I think will fall, but what I do think happens in this year's draft is GMs and, you know, coaches and everything. I think they get um, – what am I trying to say here? I think receiver, a lot of receivers will fall in this draft because it is so deep, and I think they'll be content with getting a guy in third or fourth round. So I can see one of those top six, seven, eight guys falling into the second or even third round, kind of like a DK Metcalf last year. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of those guys that fall uh, the last to second, third round. They're always studs. Uh, second round receivers have gotten good hype. We got Jordy in the second round uh, last Adams. year. Yep. Um, Nicole Hardman, I think, went in the second round last year for the Chiefs. Uh, guys like that, we passed up on him. But moving forward, I think – that Lafleur wants a third running back, so I think we'll draft a running back in the later rounds. So I'm talking about four through seven here. Uh, there's a lot of talk of the Packers and Jordan Love at quarterback, which I listened to a podcast today with Daniel Jeremiah on Move the Sticks podcast, and he kind of did a mock draft with Peter Schrager, uh, Schregs. And Daniel Jeremiah is a, a guy that I think highly of in the football world. Used to be a GM, um, kind of does all the NFL stuff, does mock drafts. He's very knowledgeable about the game and scouting and everything because he's been through that. But he has the Packers taking Jordan Love at 30 just because of his high ceiling. Uh, Chase and I kind of discussed this earlier. It's the guy that can go in the top 10 or he can go in the third round. That's kind of his grade. Uh, I think he'll go in the late first round. But uh, So I think there could be kind of a backup quarterback that we can draft. To be honest, would you guys be happy with Tim Boyle going in as their backup again the next year? I think it's like a good story, but if it came down to it and Rodgers went down, it kind of be like, do you think he'd be ready to perform, Chase, Tim Boyle? 
Yeah, I don't know. I like the guy. He, he What did he say? He's a cross between Aaron and Tom or something. He said yeah. something absolutely absurd once. So I, I, I like how brazen he is. I like his confidence. Um, it's kind of cool. Fits with Aaron well in the court, quarterback room. Um, but I, you know, I don't think we're winning a championship if it's if we don't have Aaron. So I don't know if the last couple of years here, I kind of want to be in win now mode. I know you got to set up for the future and everything like we did with, with Favre and Aaron, but I don't know if I want to mail it in quite yet and start start doing that. I think we can wait maybe another year or two. Aaron's always said he wants to play till he's forty or into his forties. Um, so if we get to that position, I don't I don't know if it happens in the later rounds. There's someone still there. Like if Love is there in the third or fourth round and it happens, I'll be happy with it. I don't know if I want to spend that thirty pick on him though. Yeah, Chunk, what do you think about the Jordan Love talks? And uh, would you want to see us draft a quarterback late? Yeah, I'm with Chase. If he's there in the third or fourth, scoop him up. But I don't think I want to waste a first-round pick on him or even a second. Um, I'm, I don't mind Jake Fromm or Jacob Beeson there. If they're in the second or third, you know, I'd take them too. They're project guys as well. And I've had better success in college. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it sends a bad message to Rodgers too after signing that deal. And it doesn't show a lack of faith, but it shows we're ready for you to be done almost. <laughs> Because you're drafting first-round guys to be instant players for you, uh, studs that you're looking for for a few years, all pro guys we're talking about, fringe. Uh, we do have that later first-round pick, so I don't think we take Love. I don't think – I think Love goes off, uh, gets taken before us, but I think in the later rounds we definitely could see a backup quarterback trying to fill in, compete with uh, Tim Boyle because, I mean, we all know how important a backup quarterback here is in Wisconsin with Rodgers going down to – two times in the last five or six years. But it's all interesting. Um, you mentioned Jake Fromm. He's interesting. I like Jake Fromm. I think he's a winner. He, one of the things that his agent says is that he may not have the measurables, but measurables don't win game. If you want a guy that wins in measurables, uh, don't draft him. But if you want a guy that wins games, draft Jake Fromm because he's proven to do that. Uh, he's beaten out two guys at Georgia and Eason and Justin Fields who do have the crazy measurables like that, the speed and the strength. So it's kind of interesting to see from, uh, he kind of lost his touch in the last year. He's still a pretty good passer, good leader, good vocal, wise guy. He scored high in that Wonderlick test that you mentioned, but Chunk, do you like Jake Fromm? We kind of didn't talk about him in our past, uh, quarterback segment, but what's your thought on him? I do like Jake Fromm. You nailed it. And he's he's a he's a true winner, you know. And he started as a freshman, correct? Right. He played in that national championship game. Yeah. So shit. I mean, he's done it in high school. He's done it in college. Like, why can't he do it in the next level? He's he's just got the heart. Yeah, it's interesting because they had that QB one series on Netflix. I watched that like from time to time, and he was on it one year, and it was kind of interesting to see him. He's just kind of a country boy from Georgia that likes to go hunting and hang out with his family, but. Um, Packers take a guy like that in the second or third round. It's not earth shattering, I don't think, but it's kind of. I think he'd be he'll be a good backup guy that you can kind of mold. Uh, he's got the accolades, I guess, as a college starter. Um, so it'll be interesting, kind of moving forward. So yeah, running backs, receivers, anything that we can kind of fill in for depth. Uh, corners definitely will need some depth there. It'll be interesting to see. Guys like Kevin King step up. Um, Jair is already kind of there as a playmaker for us. Uh, Savage will have to step up. Amos played well for us in the secondary. So, Chunk, do you have any kind of last takes there for the Packers draft? No. Um, I, one thing is I do think they'll re-sign Tremont. 
late after the draft and everything. But uh, depending on I how think, it plays out, I think. Right, but I do one little. It's not bold, but I think I can see with San Francisco having two first round picks, I can see maybe us even moving way up to number thirteen and swapping with them because they they don't have much needs either, so they can afford to move back. Yeah. Yep, we'll talk about in the mock drafts of San Francisco's needs, but yeah, I am fine basically with Packers doing anything at this pick because there's so much depth. Uh, I know if we don't draft a receiver, Packers Twitter is going to throw – they're going to have pitchforks ready for a set on Lombardi Avenue there. as It's going to be ugly, I think. But I, like I said, I think that the – let's kind of go through with our crystal ball here. I think in that first round – a guy like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen falls to us, or I think um, we trade. That's that's my prediction for the first round chunk. Who do you think that guy is that we take, or what do you think is going to happen? I think if uh, yeah, if Kenneth Murray's there, I think we swoop him. Otherwise, I I agree. I think we're moving out of the first round. Yep. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Chase, what do you like to see as Packers do with that first round? You're kind of the GM there, but what would you like to see as a fan? I think I, I think I would like to see a trade back if none of those guys are there. I mean, that we've all talked about. I hate to be a repeating everybody, but if it's not Murray or Queen or a guy like Jefferson, I think we're trading back there. Yep. So even Mims, I think I think we might take a shot on Mims. Yep. Yeah, I like Mims. He's a he's one of the faster guys too in that in this draft class. So uh, moving forward. The Basement Boys on Sunday did a mock draft. Uh, Chase has been doing a great job with our graphics, so he will get this out sometime this week. Um, Chase, I'm not sure when you'll post that out, but when we kind of drop the episode, we'll get that out. We're, yeah, we're airing Tuesday, so either Tuesday afternoon or early Wednesday, look for it. Yep, we'll draft. It'll show our uh, full picks. You guys can comment on it. We had some people comment on our movie choices there too. So that was kind of interesting to read. Yeah. A little, little comment warrior down. Yeah. So with this mock draft, uh, we had uncle Chuck with us. So it, the order went chunk chase me, uh, cam that is. And then uncle Chuck with the fourth pick. So we kind of started off with the gates. Chuck had, or Chunk had the first pick, took Bengals, Joe Burrow, quarterback from LSU. I think this is pretty much Chuck. I think this is basically a write-in. Chunk, can you agree with that? Yeah, uh, it, it's a given. Yep. So Joe Burrow, uh, we talked on the last episode, tangibles off the chart, best offseason, or not best offseason, best college season we've probably seen from a quarterback ever. So. Number two is the Redskins. There's been a lot of talk about trade and stuff like that. There's been a lot of people trying to spice up, I think, their ratings and reviews about them taking a quarterback here. But Chase just went with his uh, share of name, Chase Young. Chase, what did you think there? Taking Chase Young there, number two for the Redskins. Yeah, he's obvious. He's going to be the first non-quarterback off the board. Um, probably overall most best pure talent on the board for sure. 16 and a half sacks last year. Um, just unreal. That one's a no-brainer. Yep, he's the best player in the draft. I think he's a Hall of Fame level talent. You kind of need that identity in Washington with kind of who they have and kind of have another year for Haskins to prove himself. But I have the third pick with the Lions. This is, I think, where the draft gets interesting. Like, I think, personally, they trade back as they could probably get this guy at like six or seven. 
But I have the Lions taking Jeff Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. He doesn't have a lot of er errors on his game, no flaws really, as kind of he's mentioned in his combine or at the combine. They just traded Darius Slay, so I think it's a good fit there. Uh, Uncle Chuck had the fourth pick with the Giants. He's not here with us, but just kind of to speak for him. He took Isaiah Simmons, inside linebacker from Clemson. Personally, I don't love the pick because I think the Giants go offensive tackle here to help out Danny Dimes in their offense. Um, But Isaiah Simmons is a playmaker on that defense that they kind of need right now. So did you guys like that pick? I don't mind it, but I I love to like them see like Makai Becton or something like that. Yep. Chase, did you like the Isaiah Simmons pick at four? Yeah, this one's kind of weird. You're, I mean, we saw it last year. You don't know what the fuck Edelman's going to do. That guy is yeah. all over the place. He just learned how to use a computer, apparently. Um, he His draft get, grades are uh, based on how people smell. Apparently, that's one of the factors. Um, so that that pick could be anybody. Yeah. I could go up and pick. <laughs> uh, I, I heard Brandon Bean talk on the other day on part of my take because he, he used to work with Gettleman, and he said – a lot of it is smoke show, like a smoke screen that he throws up. He acts like he's this kind of goofy guy, but he really is pretty intelligent, I guess, and knows what he's doing. Uh, Danny Dimes turns out to be a, kind of a stud. He played 12 games and almost broke Baker's uh, touchdown record as a rookie, so that was pretty impressive. He's got the poise for it, I think, for New York. So Dolphins at five. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, Chunk took Tua at five. He kind of – He's not a big fan of Tua, but he kind of took him there just for the Dolphins because that's what he thinks is going to happen. Chunk, give us our, your process there. Yeah, that's just what I think is going to happen. I think I think they're in love with him. Um, I, this is a team I can see them trading up uh, with Detroit, moving to number three just to make sure they get Tua, and then Detroit will get Okuda at five. But, yeah, I just went with Tua there at five. I think they're in love with the guy. Yeah, as I think there's going to be a lot of trades that made this draft because uh, teams are already allowed to talk trade. For, for the first round before kind of everything gets going. I think we'll see a lot of trades in the first round and as the draft get on, go on, uh, not as many trades. But Chargers at six, this is kind of su- surprising. I thought that Justin Herbert was a right end. Chase had the pick. Chase, uh, tell him who you took here at number six, the Chargers. Uh, Jedrick Willis. Um, we talked about it earlier. We'd love to see Cam Newton out in L.A. I think maybe they're uh, going to try to get through this draft without going, without going quarterback and bringing Cam Newton, week one starter. Um, someone to sure up that line for him. Um, yeah, Jedrick Willis, first tackle off the board. Yeah, as I think that's a good pick if that's what their their plan is. It's kind of like right outside Cam now. Maybe they're seeing how the draft falls if something happens, if maybe they want Tua. Uh, but they also love Tyrod, apparently, want him to be a starter. So we'll see kind of going through forward there. And number seven, I had the Panthers. Uh, I would have loved to see Isaiah Simmons here for the Panthers. I think they could use a guy like that, but I think they kind of need a world beater on that defensive line. So it's kind of tough. I was kind of going through this or taking an offensive tackle, but I decided to just go with sure, safe pick, best available. Took uh, Auburn's D tackle, Derek Brown. Uh, had great measurements. He has the, he's kind of been compared to Ndamukong Sue. He could be a stud. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, number eight was the Cardinals. That was Uncle Chuck. He went offense tackle, which I think is a great pick here, taking Tristan Wirfs, who on a lot of people's mock drafts, the first offense tackle taken uh, from Iowa. He's going to be there to help prove that, improve that offensive line and have Kyler Murray kind of operate 
right? So he can throw it to his brand new shiny toy and DeAndre Hopkins and the other guys we have there. But at nine, Chunk, uh, three picks in. Chunk takes three quarterbacks. He's got the Jags taking Justin Herbert at quarterback. Personally, I think this was because Herbert's there. Why not? They have another pick at 20. Chunk, what was your thought process here? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think it's a gift that he would have fell to nine. And, you know, I don't know why you're laughing, but, yeah. <laughs> Herbert, that's a gift at nine there. Yeah. So it would be a guy to uh, have a nice camp battle with, uh, Minshew, I think. Chunk, you're still high on Minshew, but obviously this is kind of us being the GMs here, not our personal opinions as the Jags with their quarterback situation isn't the best. They have another pick at 20 to kind of get what they need, and I think that's what they'll do later on. But So number 10, the Browns, Chase, this was your pick, uh, took Mekhi Becton. Uh, what do you like about him at office tackle there for the Browns? Uh, this guy's an absolute monster and said to be one of the most athletic tackles in the draft. Um, and the pure need for the Browns, uh, they have all their weapons. Um, they have their quarterback. Uh, their defense is pretty shored up. Offensive tackle is what they need. Um, and their guy's there, so they took him. Yep. Uh, I, I like that pick for the Browns. They definitely need offensive tackle. Need a guy to keep Baker up the field. Um, we could see OBJ be dealt in this draft, so it'll be interesting. We obviously didn't – we did not know trade mock draft. We'll have to mention that so people aren't like, what's going on here? It's pretty straightforward. But I like that pick. Browns, Mekhi Becton had a crazy 40, athletic beast. Uh, he's kind of got room to improve, too. He's got – he's kind of a project, but I think he's a, one of the safer projects that you could kind of classify him as. I had 11, I had the Jets here. Uh, I was either going to think about offensive tackle with Andrew Thomas, but I decided to opt in on taking Jerry Judy at receiver. Jerry Judy has been compared by some scouts to De- DeAndre Hopkins, which is a big praise there. Uh, he's one of the purest route runners. So he shakes guys off. He's got the speed. He goes up and gets balls when he needs to. Uh, he's got his own saying. I found I found this out today. He's from – uh, Florida, South Florida, there's this own saying, if you like shake off a defender as a receiver, it's called judying him. So he's got his own saying down there, which is pretty cool, I guess. Uh, I don't know if he lands this far. I think that I've seen rumblings that the Broncos want to trade up for him. But I have Jerry Judy at 11 for the Jets, which kind of opens a floodgate of receivers here for us in our mock draft. As 12, we have the Raiders and Uncle Chuck took C.D. Lamb. His reasoning was they needed a receiver, obviously. Uh, need a guy to help out <laughs> uh, Derek Carr, potentially Mariota. I think that's a guy that Gruden will love to have in. They brought in A.B. last year, obviously. That didn't work out. So I like C.D. Lamb there. And then 13, uh, I believe that is Uncle – or not Uncle, <laughs> just Chunk. He's not an uncle yet. But 49ers taking Henry Ruggs. Chunk, what do you like there for the 49ers? Um, this guy's an absolute monster. This is like Chase likes to say, monster. Um, you could flip a three-sided coin and Rugs, Judy, and Ceedee Lamb, and be happy with any of them if you get them. So, um, with the Jets taking CD, or Jets taking Judy and Raiders taking Ceedee, I think the 49ers have to jump on Henry Ruggs there. But I do think that they trade out of this pick. Yeah, as I think John Lynch watched uh, Tyreek Hill burn them there at the end of the game in that Super Bowl in. To be honest, that's kind of what they're missing. They lose Emmanuel Sanders. 
They got Debo Samuel, who played very well last year, so need another guy opposite of him for Jimmy G to kind of get more comfortable. Uh, so I think it's a good pick. It's crazy how they got DeForest Buckner, or they got rid of DeForest Buckner for a first-round pick like this, this high at 13 from the Colts. But 14, this was an interesting one. Chase, you had the Buccaneers. Who'd you take? This is the splash pick of the first round. Um, they're obviously in win-now mode, Tom. Um, we see Tom all the time made himself the goat by dumping it off. Um, he gets a pass catcher here out of the backfield. Um, Ronald Jones down there is a bruiser. Um, so this is a splash pick. Who knows if it happens? Um, but, yeah, he gets his pass catcher out of the backfield. <laughs> you forgot to say who it was. Who else? Was <laughs> DeAndre Smith. I'm looking at my cheat sheet, so I was just, like, reading his name. DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia. <laughs> I said you. I usually, I guess, I've been saying the name before switching it over to you guys, but I just left you out for that one. <laughs> My bad. So yeah, that was a crazy pick. I think it could happen. Um, we've talked about it, but I, I think they could take this next guy at offensive tackle that we have that I took at 15 for the Broncos. I took Andrew Thomas. I could see him going to Buccaneers, kind of keeping Tom Brady up as that's kind of their new prize possession. As they had a good offensive line there in Tampa Bay, but it could be better. But I'd have him going to the Broncos. I think the Broncos miss out on these three receivers if they do not trade up. I think they potentially want to. That's They kind of need to get Drew Locke these weapons as they have Cortland Sutton and nobody really else there. So it'll be interesting. I think they, if those guys go, they'll settle with Andrew Thomas, who I think is a stud. Definitely should be a top 15 pick. Uh, we'll help them out on the offensive line there. So Chuck had 16, the Falcons, and he took cornerback C.J. Henderson. They spent a lot on the offense this year. They kind of need help in defense. So they get their man in C.J. Henderson. I think Desmond Trufant goes somewhere. I think he went to the Lions, right? Yes. Yeah, so they get their man in C.J. Henderson, cornerback. Number two corner, in my opinion, and a lot of people's boards going off to them. Uh, Chunk had the 17th pick. He's got the Cowboys. He takes LSU edge rusher. Rusher, uh, Caleb on Chasen. Chunk, what's your pick or what's your reasoning behind this pick? Yeah, monster down in LSU. Um, they they also don't, to me, they don't have a lot of needs. Um, so I think they're just kind of drafting their replacement for Robert Quinn. Yep, that's kind of what we discussed too during the mock draft. Honestly, I think Jerry could kind of go crazy here and get his star stud center for the next few years and take the best center here as they lost Travis Frederick to retirement. Jerry likes to do things on orthodox. There's always been, there's also been rumblings that he could go receiver, could go Justin Jefferson here, could trade up as they kind of want a guy opposite of Amari Cooper and to go along with Michael Gallup. So kind of just improve their offense there. As Jerry likes the flashy, shiny things, he's kind of like a bass in that way, right, Chunk? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Sick. Was uh, Dolphins Chase? You had this pick. You took offensive tackle Josh Jones. Offensive tackle Josh Jones. So they got their they got their future in Tua. Um, and they're going to get the the guy with them to protect them. So this is another need pick. Um, they spent a lot of money in free agency on the defense. Um, now they're going to go uh, shore up the offense through the draft. So got to protect Tua throughout his career. Hopefully here, um, these two make it long. Josh Jones. Yep. And if, it, if Tua goes there, he's got his man at receiver. And um, I can't think of his name. Devontae Parker? 
Devontae Parker. So they've got a stud receiver there. Uh, they, their offense needs help. Defense is looking really good right now. Could potentially get Jadavion Clowney if his, he keeps asking for less money, I guess, because he keeps asking for these high amounts. So I like that pick there. Uh, 19, I think this is a gift to the Raiders if this happens. This guy has gone top 10, top 12 in a lot of mock drafts I've seen. I had this pick, and I was fortunate, fortunate enough to land Javon Kinlaw there, uh, interior defensive lineman. They got C.D. Lamb at receiver, so now they're going to switch on the other side of the ball and kind of try to get the Raiders that they had in the 70s and 80s with that tough defense, kind of boost them up as they've gone defense a lot in the past. Uh, Chunk is, this pick is honestly probably probably the Buccaneers pick there. Pair him with Vita Bay and just have two big monsters on the inside. But my splash pick with DeAndre Swift. Um, yeah, kind of yeah, I could have gone there. Uh, as Kinlaw is a great player, dominant. Chunk, as a closet Raiders fan, do you like this draft so far for the Raiders with CeeDee Lamb and Javon Kinlaw? I do, but I um, I really wanted them to take a corner with that pick. I wanted you to take a corner. Yeah. It like like uh, Jalen Johnson, he's, he's still there. Whatever the hell his name is. Jalen Johnson. Yeah, he's at Utah. From Utah, yeah, right? Yeah, he's still available. I think, I think they might scoop him there at 20 or 19 for everyone. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I think the C.D. Lamb and Javon Kinlaw, the fans now in Las Vegas, are excited for their new toys with their new stadium, uh, kind of a new team, new image. So it'll be interesting. At 20, we have the Jags here. Uh, Uncle Chuck took another cornerback off the board, Christian Fulton. Uh, you saw him get rid of Jalen Ramsey last year. This team is kind of in a new image. They traded – who they just trade their corner? Ward? Bouye. Bouye. Traded Bouye. He kind of helped in that secondary, need that defense to kind of step up to where they were a couple of years ago. Uh, they basically have nobody on that defense anymore. So I like that pick there. Chunk, you had the Eagles at 21. I think this was a no-brainer taking Justin Jefferson at receiver. Yeah, they have to. You know, with the rumors of Elshon going and uh, the aging Deshaun Jackson, Aguilar gone, I mean, they got nothing there. They need help, and it's a no-brainer to take Justin. Yeah, as many Eagles fans, I like to look at replies on some tweets. Uh, we're pretty upset that they didn't get any receivers in free agency, so it'd be kind of interesting. They could trade potentially trade up to. I don't know how much draft capital they have, though. But, Chase, you had the 22nd pick. Uh, the Vikings' first choice, who'd you take there? Oh, we took Jeff Gladry, uh, cornerback Gladry. for the Vikings. Gladry. Uh, you think I wasn't going to say it? You said Gladry. <laughs> What is it? Gladney. Sorry, did I write that for you? Weird. I don't know. It looks like an R. Jeff Gladney. <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw Xavier Rhodes take a massive downturn last year. Um, Adams absolutely shredded him up. I think they're trying to. They're going to get younger here in the secondary. Um, another need for them. Um, they got another pick at twenty-five. There's still some of those wide receivers. Um, obviously, our top four are gone. Um, so there's wide receivers, but they got that another pick at, at 25. So I think here they, they address the bigger need at cornerback and take Gladney. Yep. I like that pick. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, they cut. He's with the Colts now after signing that big deal. Uh, they have Anthony Harrison, Harris uh, at, and Harrison Smith back there in the secondary. So they just kind of need another guy to go along with them as they've kind of gotten shredded as they have to play Matt Stafford, who throws the ball a lot, twice a year, and, of course, our Lord and Savior, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Patriots here, 23. This is my pick. Uh, 
I like this pick a lot. I think that this could happen. Jordan Love at quarterback. Uh, I think (laughs) (laughs) I could see see this Belichick bomb happening as I don't think that Jared Stidham is going to be their week one starter. Uh, He could be. I think they're going to have guys in there competing. They could also bring Cam Newton in. (laughs) I think Jordan Love is uh, the guy, though, here with uh, New England. And then we had the Saints at 24. Uh, Chuck, Uncle Chuck took Kenneth Murray at linebacker. Kind of a no-brainer. Started in the, uh, interior linebacker. Was off the charts in his interviews, I guess. Had really good interviews. A really good guy, really good player. Can play east-west very well. Um, Phil Holes, so I think Kenneth Murray is a good pick there for the Saints. Kind of improved that defense as they're in a lot of shootouts. At 25, Chunk, uh, Chase took cornerback with the Vikings. You took Denzel Mims there at receiver. Uh, why is this a good pick? Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Stephon Diggs is gone. They lost Treadwell. They need they need receivers. So, and he'll back, he'll go out. Wow, I cannot speak tonight. He'll <laughs> fit well on the other side of Thielen. So, uh, another no-brainer pick. And I've gone six. Did we lose him? Oh, another stroke. <laughs> Chunk, we lost you. Another heart attack. I'll text him. So, yeah, uh, great pick there, I think, by Chunk. Uh, <laughs> Chunk, we didn't get any of that. Chunk, what happened? You got none of that? Yeah, restart there. You said sexy pick. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think it's a no-brainer that Minnesota takes him because they lost Diggs and – Treadwell this offseason, uh, so they need a receiver. He fits well on the other side of Thielen. Um, but I said I went sexy. I've gone quarterbacks and receivers tonight. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of how the draft – those every four picks for you were kind of like skill player needs. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, we, we lost you on a little stroke there again. So, <laughs> uh, Number 26, Chase, you kind of took another splash here. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Jonathan Taylor running back out of Wisconsin. Um, as we kind of talked about earlier, um, Dolphins sticking with the trend and going offense in this draft. Um, so they get their backfield for the future uh, with Tua and Jonathan Taylor. Another little, spa- another little splash, um, but they get their backfield. Yep, I like that. Uh, personally, I like J.K. Dobbins more. Elusive, but Jonathan Taylor, I think they're pretty inter- interchangeable. Uh, both athletic backs catch. It would be nice to have a Tua and then their new offensive tackle. So they're just going all offense here, which I think agree with. I think will happen. A 27 Seahawks. I thought that their biggest need was an edge rusher uh, with Clowney potentially being gone. Even with Clowney, I think this guy fills out well. Uh, that's Penn State edge rusher uh, Yeter Gross Matos. I think he's a good. <laughs> What's up, Chase? Can you say that again? <laughs> Eater Los Matos. Good edge rusher. Uh, he'll fill in well for the Seahawks. They kind of have been missing that on the defensive side, as you kind of saw Rodgers escape the pocket a few times last year during that playoff game that me and Chunk were at. Uh, we saw their defense kind of struggle to get to the quarterback this year. So not the defense that they used to have. But moving forward, uh, Uncle Chuck, 28. Ravens, he said he took this pick to replace C.J. Mosley at the last couple of years ago. Uh, Patrick Queen at linebacker from LSU. 
I think this is a good pick. He's one of the speedier, uh, long linebackers. We lost, we lost Trunk again. <laughs> Zach. Uh, you keep freezing. Uh, just... there. But I think Patrick Queen's a great pick for the Ravens here. I secure their defense with that studly offense that they already have. So Titans are next 29. They take AJ Espinosa at from Iowa at edge rusher. Chunk, what'd you like about that pick? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say I was not frozen. I was just sitting very still and listening. <laughs> kind of Brian Woodhorse effect. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Except I'm not as fat. No. But uh, he uh, he is a stud. I actually really enjoyed watching him. I think whoever gets him gets a, a guy that's going to be ready to play right away. Um, I would love to see him fall even like maybe one more pick back to Green Bay, but Tennessee snatched him up and uh, Yeeter Tomato, whatever you said. I think uh, Tennessee really wanted that guy, but yep. they'll have to take Epineza. Yep. Uh, great player for Mike Vrabel. Loves his defense player. Loves to get down there with them. Um, they've got a good offense. They kind of need that that defense to stay strong. They've got a strong defense too. So as you saw them play the Pats last year. At 30, what most people have been waiting for, the Green Bay Packers chase go through who they took in your thought process here as a Packers fan and as Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst. Yeah, we kind of gave you most of this already. So, I mean, in real life, they probably trade back here if if none of these guys are – or if all the guys that we've drafted so far are off the board, they probably trade back. But we just went uh, Brian Belaga, Iowa, his successor, um, Isaiah Wilson, offensive tackle, another trench guy to battle with teams like the 49ers. Yeah, uh, it would be a nice camp battle with Rick Wagner. And if he doesn't turn out, uh, he's good for depth. If guys go down, as we see offense linemen go down every year for the Packers, it's inevitable for offense linemen at least one to go down out of the five. Um, whether that's Bakhtiari, Bulaga, we've seen. We've seen many interior linemen go down. So you could fill in for anyone there. But 31, I thought this was a steal for the Niners. Uh, as I mentioned before, I had or 13, they took Henry <laughs> To kind, of, <laughs> to, kind of the, to kind of counter that Super Bowl loss. Uh, so then also you need a guy to cover a guy like Tyreek Hill. And that's Jalen Johnson at corner. Kind of surprising he fell <laughs> far, but I like him for the Niners there. And then the Chiefs, uh, this was Uncle Chuck's pick. And if this happens, I think it's deadly. Uh, could be another year the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. But they take J.K. Dobbins at running back. Chunk, you like that pick? I love it. I love it. He's he's great out of the backfield to catch. Um, great with the run, obviously, running back, but he's just a stud all around. You saw him at Ohio State run through defenders, uh, go up for verticals. Uh, he's would be a great filler there with Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that offense. Obviously, I think they need defense too, but there's still depth for that. But J.K. Dobbins, you can't go wrong, I don't think, with taking him here to fill along with that offense. That's a studly fantasy offense, right, Chase? Yes. All right. So we moved <laughs> We had just watched The Last Dance, the 97-98 Bulls documentary. The first two episodes came out on Sunday. So if you have not watched it yet, these are spoilers ahead. They're warning you now. So you can turn this off now if you want to. But Michael Jordan documentary came out. Growing up, 
Uh, I just kind of knew him as a guy from Space Jam, knew that he was a stud. Uh, we were kind of in the Kobe Bryant era. remember seeing his last game with the Wizards and not knowing how much kind of that meant for basketball fans and sports fans in general. Uh, I never, like, grew attached to him. I haven't really looked up much highlights, which I should, because I've always kind of been a LeBron guy. It's kind of hard for me to root for Chicago teams and players as someone from Wisconsin rooting for Milwaukee and the Packers and all those things like that. But Chase, before going into this documentary, what what's your opinion? What do you like about Michael Jordan? What do you dislike? Um, I mean, the goat. Um, kind of on the other side, growing up, my dad lived in Chicago in the '90s and is a huge Jordan fan. Um, has like Bulls attire, has a Jordan jersey. Um, so he always, um, I, I kind of learned about Jordan through him. Um, have just being a huge basketball fan, I've always watched highlights. Um, just kind of studying the game and everything, the history of the game. Um, Jordan's obviously the GOAT um, and kind of an asshole in the way he wins. So all about winning, um, just like Kobe. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Chuck, what about you? What was your opinion on Michael Jordan before going into this documentary? Um, I was kind of knew he was an asshole. Um, I'm a big fan of assholes. Like, I like, like seeing what they do. Like what? Eating them? Uh, some would say, but uh, I'm just kidding. I uh, I like that he uh, his will to win. He was just like Kobe. They did anything they could to win, and I love and respect that. Um, those are my favorite athletes. So I, I respected MJ growing up, but I I do think LeBron is the goat over him. Yeah, I'm on the middle here. I don't like these arguments because it's just kind of taking away the greatness of players trying to throw that against each other. But I've kind of have my edge towards – I love LeBron more, but I think Michael Jordan just a little bit up. If LeBron can win a, another title here too, I know it's not all about rings and stuff, but um, it, it'll be interesting to, to see. Is just kind of that dominance that MJ had in the 90s was never seen before and kind of changed the game. But as we start, uh, it kind of starts off the first episode showing obvious tensions with Jerry Krause, the general manager of the Bulls from that time from – mid 80s to late 90s uh he passed away recently i think but it shows and kind of talks about how michael jordan and scotty pippen kind of had their hate towards him they made fun of him in a lot of ways calling him short fat a lot of things kind of below the belt blows there uh one of the reasons is jerry Krause said that organizations win basketball games and championships not players so that rubbed mj off the wrong way the hell of a thing to say when you have the the best the best player of all time. I mean, until LeBron comes around, best player of all time, and then the, and then the best two man of all time, Scottie Pippen. Just a hell of a way to. And one thing they said in it is, he was one of these typical guys who has like little man's disease. gets gets pissed off. He they literally say it in the documentary. He grew up a little fat kid who always wanted to be a be a cool kid, be a big athlete, and and he just couldn't get out of his own way. And yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting, the dynamics there. Then Scottie Pippen's contract, uh, he has an injury towards the Eastern Conference Finals at the end of the 97 season that requires surgery, and he doesn't get it until the start of the 90 or 90, start of the 97-98 season. He decides to get the surgery instead of doing it over summer. He said he wanted his summer, and that kind of rubbed Jerry Krause the wrong way, so they, he basically went talking about his contract. So Pippen went after him just 
kind of saying spiteful remarks. I can't help as kind of a human being feeling bad for Jerry Krause. Uh, my question for you is Chase and Chunk, do you want to chime in? Do you feel bad for Jerry Krause at all, kind of how they handled him and how they went after him, or do you think it was well-deserved? Yeah, so, I mean, given what we already what we already kind of said about it, and, and one thing we haven't mentioned, the, the owner, um, Jerry Reinstein, is a, is a big part in this too. Um, Reinsdorf? Reinsdorf, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so kind of learning about that in the last two hours of that documentary and then just reading a couple things on Twitter and, and all about it, it really was a lot of him too. And, and Kraus and Reinsdorf kind of just fed into each other um, with it. Um, but, yeah, you, you see these clips of Jordan and Pippen just blatantly making fun of him. Uh, they gave him the nickname Crumbs because he would have muffins or, like, bagels, like, all the time and just would leave crumbs all over the place. Um, this dude's, like – he looks like he's, like, 5'6", like 210 pounds. He looks like the, like, human version of a pinky toe. And so he's, like, obviously very pickable on – um, you have these huge alphas on an NBA team, um, the greatest of all time. Um, so you can kind of feel bad for him. He was a really good GM, pulled off a lot of good trades, got Rodman there, Horace Grant. Um, got Pippen in that trade. Yeah, got Pippen in that in the trade, um, draft day trade. Um, so he was a good GM, but I think he just – he really wanted more credit than he ever got. I really haven't heard of him until this this all started being promoted. So that kind of speaks to it right there. Um, so you can kind of feel bad for him, but I mean, why would you break up the greatest team of all time in the midst of their reign? Um, yeah. Chunk, what did you think kind of, do you think it's well-deserved for the comments about organizations winning teams? Do you think he deserves to be or organizations win games? Do you think he's, uh, deserves to be picked on like he kind of was kind of the human aspect of it? I don't think he deserves the name calling and stuff, but that's, I mean, you're in professional sports. There's going to be some other stuff said about you. So can't take it too personal, but uh, it's a mixture. Organizations win it. Players win it. I mean, the organizations get the players. They set them up together and the players got to go execute. So it's a mix. Yeah. So uh, the reason why it's called the last dance is because going into the season, they know it's their last year because it's Phil Jackson's basically last year of his contract. And he wanted the money that he was, thought he deserved to be making for beating all these other coaches that are making more than him. And he's won all these titles. And it was kind of to say, it's kind of power hungry. Krause didn't want to pay him. Um, so Phil Jackson got the team together before it started and basically wrote out a playbook. So this the last dance. So that's why it's called that. Uh, it was just kind of interesting. Back to the Scotty Pippen thing about him waiting to have his surgery until the season started because of contract issues, which he played on a – in 1991 signed a seven-year, $18 million contract, which yeah, is crazy. I, watching, it, watching it, I looked up the contract too, and the the salary by year is super weird. It was like 1.5 in the first year, and then it jumps up to like 3.2 for two years and then drops back down to like 1.5 for the, for the remainder four years or whatever, yeah. or however that equals out. Um, so it's a super weird contract and they kind of, he goes into it. Um, so he grew up with his older brother was paralyzed. His dad had a stroke. So he had two people in wheelchairs in his family. His mom, I don't know, didn't make money. money. he's from backwoods, Arkansas. So you can kind of empathize with him there that he was just the first thing that was thrown at him. Obviously didn't have an agent through this. Um, first thing thrown at him, 
he just kind of takes and shores it up for as long as he can. You don't really ever hear seven-year contracts in the NBA uh, in any era. Um, yeah, this thing was he was worried about getting hurt, so he wanted to make sure that his money was there. Right. Yeah, so that, so this, this whole mantra kind of breeds from him being underpaid. Um, Phil Jackson was paid like a middle-tier um, coach, and, and, and Krause and, and Reinsdorf kind of take credit for um, – Phil Jackson even being the coach that he is, saying that if they didn't hire him, he wouldn't be a coach in the NBA, all these sorts of things, which is always kind of tough to deal with. So when you get people who are power hungry and all these alphas who, who want to be credited for, for what they do, especially at the highest level and, and making a dynasty like that, it's, it's kind of inevitable that all this happened. Yeah, and he was arguably the second best player in the NBA, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, uh, second best definitely on the Bulls, but was paid at had the sixth highest salary on the Bulls and the hundred and twenty second highest salary in the NBA. Do you know who has the hundred and twenty second highest salary in the NBA right now? Uh, Andre Roberson. Andre Roberson. Yeah, you must have watched <laughs> SBP. Yeah, Andre yeah. Roberson. What is it? I'm not sure. It's you can look probably a shit ton more. But back to the Scotty thing about his injury, uh, MJ in the documentary is noted say, calling Scotty selfish for waiting to get his surgery to the fall because of contract issues instead of right away. Chunk, would you say that's selfish of Scotty or is it the right thing kind of because he wants his contract and you think that's kind of his choice? I, I think it was the right move by him. I mean, it's his life. He's got to guarantee his money. Um, <clears throat> other players would obviously see it as selfish, but if they were in his situation with his upbringing, I think they'd do the same thing. Yep, yep. So he wants more money there, kind of an injury. Chase on the injury standpoint, waiting till the fall to get his surgery instead of the summer because he said he wanted to have his summer. You think that was selfish of him, like MJ said, or do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's been he was taking advantage for so long. So on a, on a personal standpoint, you can you can agree with him there that he obviously deserves a bag. Um, he's a huge reason. I don't know if they win all those titles without him. I don't know if they're the team that they are without him. Um, they took advantage of him for sure, but, but because of it, they were able to get other players there too that we touched on Rodman, uh, Horace Grant, Ron Harper, all those guys. Um, you mentioned he was the sixth highest paid player on the team. So they were able to get other people there and build that dynasty. And I guess they did that. And from his standpoint, you know, they did it. They were at the peak. Now it's time for him to get paid and set up his generational wealth um, for his family going forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you look at it just sport-wise, it's definitely selfish. If you look at it from a team standpoint, it's definitely selfish. Um, but I think if any of us were in the same position, we'd do it too. Yeah. Kind of on lighter notes now, those were kind of the main points that were talked about. It gets into the end of the second episode. Uh, MJ's series against the Celtics and how he played through an injury to kind of get him to the playoff spot at the eighth seed. He got swept by the Celtics, but MJ has 61 points in a game against the Larry Bird Celtics team there in the mid-80s. But uh, lighter notes, there's some kind of funny moments in there. Uh, ESPN allowed them to say fuck. Which is yeah, kind of they're doing a, the TVMA, <laughs> and then on ESPN2, they're doing like PG-13 version of it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the whole time Jordan's interview, I couldn't help but notice he had this glass full of something, like scotch or something. What do you think is in that glass, and how much do you think that costs? 
I don't think he takes a sip of it, but you know he likes to drink, he likes to gamble and smoke. Now, Chunk, you're about to say something. What do you think? In the in like the 20, 30 minutes that I caught tonight, uh, there was one part of the interview where it was like this, like maybe an inch or two, and then another part it was darker and much more full. So he's definitely sipping on it throughout. <laughs> like as the conversation, uh, the conversations would get more serious. The like, and they would flash back to him. His drink would be like fuller and fuller. <laughs> his eyes would get like more and more bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they brought up the Bulls kind of before uh, MJ got there, and how they like to party, kind of cocaine era and stuff. Uh, what do you think they're at home watching it like with their families, Chase? Yeah, they referred to him as the traveling cocaine circus. When there's a scene where, where MJ walks into the room and there's, like, girls, probably strippers, hookers, like, pounds of cocaine, like, every, like just partying in a hotel room. And you think, like, those guys who are on the team before are sitting in their room with their family now, just like, holy shit, like, oh, my wife doesn't put it together. Yeah, that wasn't me, babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting to see. Uh, I like the documentary a lot so far. Uh, they have a, they've already showed Bill Clinton, who former Arkansas resident, and Barack Obama, former Chicago resident. That's how they kind of labeled them. It's kind of a big flex, like, oh, yeah, we got these guys in. And they just kind of do the name drop like that with just not even mentioning that they were presidents in the United States. So that was pretty interesting to see. Yeah, it's hilarious, but it's not like there's anybody who doesn't know who those those people are. So I yeah. guess they're kind of given context, but it's, it's funny to see him referred to as that. Yeah, and then – uh, it was nice to see David Stearns, uh, who just recently passed away in the documentary. Looked like him and MJ were pretty close from the short clip we saw of them talking. <clears throat> but uh, MJ was kind of a baller there in his first few years. He rocked a, a double gold chain during the dunk contest. That was sick. And then towards the end there, the 97-98 season, he just pulls up in his like red Corvette, window da- windows down, uh, top down, just Double parks like three people in and just <laughs> parks like an asshole. Yeah, and you just walk there. Like, yeah. Just can do whatever you want. Must be nice. And then, did you see the part when they're in France and the guy asked for his uh, autograph? Yeah, he just like looks at him like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And then <laughs> the dude walks up and is like, "No, like, what are you doing? Like, don't do it right now." I think it was like a production guy. And he just, yeah, they were yeah they were putting like a mic on him or something. <laughs> So, yeah, that was interesting to see the global effect he had on people. Uh, Chase, do you have anything else you want to mention? Um, I guess some closing notes. Uh, number 23 is probably the coolest number ever. I, I was just getting chills when they were, like, holding up his jersey. Yeah. It's just number 23, Jordan. Like, that's got to be one of the most iconic jerseys and probably the most iconic jersey in sports. Um, and also, Scottie Pippen sounds like a cross between Morgan Freeman and Stephen Hawking. Dude, I want I want him to just clear his throat the whole time he's talking. He it's didn't. Very very like like phlegmy it sounds. He's like a robot. It's just like the coolest voice ever. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Easter Island like head. Also, his house looks freaking sweet now. So he's made definitely the money that he wanted to make. Yeah, uh, chunk. Anything you want to partake in, in the last twenty thirty minutes you watched? I thought it was hilarious when uh, David Stern was reading off his name and he said Scott Pippen. (laughs) Chase texted me that during that. He said Scott Pippen with all these. (laughs) I lost my shit at that. Scott (laughs) Pippen. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
good start, I think. Uh, obviously, we'll get into more interesting things that's going on. It's just kind of a little taste. Uh, interested to see what Dennis Rodman has to say. I have not, I was going to watch that 30 for 30 this weekend on him, but I have not seen that. Yeah, not a lot from him, actually. They, they brought him, like, introduced him in the first five minutes, obviously, but that was all we really saw at Rodman. So hopefully yeah. he has some more parts because he's a nut job. Bill Wennington and Steve Kerr and all those guys. How about Bill Wennington's uh, Fu Manchu <laughs> soul patch thing he's got going on? He's just awesome. so big. He has like a huge arcade room in his house. You see that? Yeah. In the background, like, like Pac-Man and shit. Yeah, he just looks like a franchise owner of Dave and Buster's, but he's on the three peoples, I guess. Fuddruckers. <laughs> but all right, so that was kind of our take on the first couple episodes there. Um, hopefully. You guys watch and keep in touch. Um, we'll do reviews kind of as this quarantine season goes up. As season, our episodes three and four will be next Sunday, so make sure to tune in for that. But now we move on to shout-outs. Uh, I've got a few here. Do you guys have any shout-outs tonight? Neither of you do. <laughs> <laughs> Chunk doesn't. It's Joel's birthday, actually. What's up? Well, I already, I already shouted you all out, but I might have one probably on what you do here. Okay. Well, I have a few. Um, <laughs> uh, I give a shout-out to uh, the girl I'm kind of talking to, Kate Bickett. Hoping she's a double-cheeked up on this Tuesday. Uh, next, I have my cousin, Jake Parker, who's been an avid listener, posts on a story. I have to get him. He'd be a hoot of an interview. Shout out, Jake. And then lastly, Tate Frederick gave us a shout out on the Instagram. Appreciate that. Uh, much love. Trying to get more listeners and stuff as we've been doing good. Had a couple of people ask about merch. Um, we're not really going to do merch for a while, but we'll, if you want a shirt or two, we can get you something like that. So, uh, Chunk, did I go through yours? No, you didn't. I'd like to shout out Nick Schmidt. I like that sparking a little argument on the Instagram page. Yeah, it gets, gets interaction up, gets engagement up. Uh, we'll be sure to put out our mock draft. Make sure to tune in on Thursday for the draft as we'll kind of do our post-draft uh, recap. We'll just go over the main things. We won't go through the whole thing. So, And then we'll kind of have another of our own draft segment of certain pop culture things. So, Chase, any uh, ending thoughts from you? Um, I think I'm good. All right, so... Thank you guys for listening to episode six and have a great afternoon. Um, I'm a big fan of assholes. Like, Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day And you know the night is always gonna be there anyway You know but you're working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together make the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Sky rockets in flight Afternoon delight Afternoon delight
Afternoon delight Starting up the morning feeling so polite I always thought a fish could be caught who wouldn't But you've got some bait waiting and I think I might try Nibbling it on afternoon delight Skyrockets in flight Afternoon delight Afternoon delight Afternoon delight Please be waiting for me, baby, when I come around We could make a lot of loving for the sun goes down Gonna be working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together makes the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Skyrockets in flight Afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. Afternoon delight.